Well, man, when I'm gone, who are you going to have to preach a short sermon then? Amen. <laughs> it's really nice. Last time, last chance you're here, everybody taking shots at you. Remember years ago when I was at Cox Boulevard, my sister sent me this poster for my birthday, and it was this elephant laying on the ground wishing he could die, and all these turkeys are just walking all over him, and the caption at the bottom said, don't let the turkeys get you down. <laughs> I remember people would come in and think, that's the stupidest thing I ever saw, and then there was one lady at church, one of the deacon's wife, she came in there, she said, what does that mean? I said, I have no idea. What do you think of me? She said, is that talking about us? <laughs> I said, I don't know, but I, it, that was, it was worth it, having it in there just for her response to it. Um, I, I just want to begin by just thanking you. Um, well, it's been over 23 years that I've been a minister here, and uh, boy, I was young when I came here, and now I'm leaving. I'm not young anymore, and Shirley, Shirley's still young, though. She's the same age she was when we got here. I want to I thank you for your wonderful support of us all, all through the years and all the situations that we have been through with our family, and uh, I, I just can't thank you enough for that. I want to thank you for the su support that you have given us as we have labored here, the church crew, and uh, you, did, you have done over the years some marvelous things for us us and um, I have only good to say about you and only good to feel towards you because of the things that you've done. And just as uh, Wes was talking this morning, talk about all things that were coming up, several of those things I can remember the first time we did them and uh, it's, been a, it's been a wonderful experience. You know, I mean, when you work with the church and it grows, what do you do? You just do what people want to do. And I was just thinking how many of those things were started by individuals. It was their idea. They came up with them. Everybody got together and just worked together. And the priceless ingredient of church growth is always unity. And I, I want to thank you for that. I hope that will continue, and I know that it will. The other thing that I want you to think about is that time is moving by. And... Uh, Things are swiftly going. When I came here 23 years ago, the last thing on my mind was the fact that I could possibly die. And now every funeral that I do and every time somebody expresses uh, words of concern to me or me to them, I just remind people it's not going to be long until all of us are going to be with the Lord in heaven. And that's the truth. You think about it. Those of you who are over 40 and those of us who are over 50, you realize it's not. we don't have too many days on this earth. The other thing I want to say is that life is about changes. You know what I mean? And uh, the more you think you can keep things the same, the dumber you are. Because life is about changing. And you, you know, if you're going to live, you're going to have to learn to change. And every phase that we go through in life, we don't have any real preparation for it. I got really tickled this morning morning at the brooks back there with those three grandbabies trying to keep them all quiet. Now, that's pretty funny. Okay? Well, the oldest one's got a mind of his own. He wants to read and he wants to talk. Well, you know, how many classes did we have on how to be grandparents? How do we get ready for that? You just get ready for it. Think about getting married, having children, having grandchildren. And then think about, as time goes on, losing those that you love and, and, and how your life will change if your health changes. So it's just a reminder that life is about changes and we have no idea the changes that will come. I remember years ago when I was young in Mississippi preaching, I was at the funeral home and I always loved it because the name of the funeral home was Pickles. I just, I just, hey, do you not see the humor in that? 
I'm going to go back to the turkey thing if you don't get that. You know, Pickles Funeral Home, you know. And, uh, but anyways, I remember we had a man in the community that had died. And there was this old gentleman. Oh, I just loved him to death. He always had time to talk. And he wasn't a member of, the, of, of our church or anything. But as, as he was coming in, we knew this guy. And I knew him really well. And he said, you know, Brother Jim said, we just don't know how much time we've got here. And I said, we sure don't. He said, you know, we just don't know when it's going to be our time to go. And I said, uh, we sure don't. And you know, four days later, I was there at his funeral. They found him dead, standing beside his tractor as he was plowing. He got off, probably had a heart attack. It's just a reminder that we don't know what tomorrow holds. And that's a good thing, because we, won't have, we don't have to spend our time worrying about tomorrow. I, I thought what I would do was, 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 uh, on, on tonight is just read some encouraging words. Some of, the, some of the last things that some of the greatest servants of God said to God's people before they left. And I realize that, uh, Dustin, I could, I could read these all night long. We could be here a long time, but I'll cut a few of them out for your sake. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 12. Turn with me there. And notice what Samuel said. Samuel served as a judge. He served as a priest. He served as a prophet. He served from the time he was just a child um, in, in the temple. He, you know, I mean, he lived uh, over, he lived 80 years or so, but for 40 years he served there as a judge and a ruler. And notice what he said at the beginning of verse 1 of 1 Samuel 12. Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have hearkened to your voice and all that you have said to me and have made a, made, uh, and have made a king over you. And now behold, the king walks before you and I am old and gray. And behold, my sons are with you and I have walked before you from my youth until this day. Here I am. Testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose oxen have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me and I'll restore to you. They said, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or, or, or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, the Lord is witness against you and is anointed as witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, he is witness. Now, I'm not saying that to apply to me because I'm sure you can find something wrong with me. But I'll tell you this, it is a wonderful thing. And, and how many leaders do we have in our country, our nation, and our local, that could rule and work for 40 years and then when it was time for them to leave, ask that. Who have I done anything wrong? Who have I taken a bribe from? Who am I lied to? Could they say, in all of the 40 years of your service, you haven't done that? And I would say, then the generations that I've known before just recently, there are a lot of people who could say that. When you leave this earth and when I leave it, one of the things that we want to be able to tell people and say to God and to those that we love, that we were honest, that we were concerned, that we were dedicated. When my father passed away, he was just an auto mechanic. He had been an elder in the church for 30 years. Nothing really special. You didn't want to hear him teach. You sure didn't want to hear him preach. And, you know, he sang. He sang lead. He thought he could sing. He just sang loud. That's all he did. But he was a faithful servant of the Lord. And as he died, there were over 250 people that came to see him in the hospital in the last month of his life. And when my daddy died, one of the lessons that I thought about is so important for us is that when we leave this earth, let's try to leave people owing us. Everybody who came to see my father owed him something. 
He had done something for them. And I thought, what a marvelous way to live. What a marvelous way to die. And that's what Samuel had done. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Kings chapter 2. David's last words that he spoke. I mean, David is an incredible character, isn't he? I mean, he's young, he's handsome, he's brash, he has courage, he is fearless. Um, he, he, he raises a group of people that are just kind of like rubble and elevates them to be one of the greatest armies. They live off the land. They, 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 you know, they, they spend so many hours hiding. But because of David's leadership, because of how they loved him, these men were willing on almost every occasion to give their life for him. You know, when we think about David, we often think about the mistakes that, we made, that he made, but we don't think about how these people rallied around him and how he was loved and how he was respected and how he served them. And, and from the time he was young until he was old, he trusted God. Only time he made mistakes in his life was when he forgot to ask God what God wanted him to do. But he was the one who would always ask. Saul, who was the first king, would not ask. Just go do whatever he wanted to. But, but it's time for David to die, and he's old. And this, it says, when David's time to die, die drew near, he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And that's what's going to happen. This is not our home. We're just here for a short period of time. He said, and this is what he told him, be strong. You know, I, you, you watch people on TV today, you listen to people whine all the time. You just want to shake people and say, be strong. And the second thing that he said is show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God. Now, how do you do that? Walking in all his ways, keeping his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies as is written on the law of Moses. That you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word which he spoke concerning me saying if your sons take heed to their way and walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul there will not fail you a man on the throne of Israel serve God notice with all of your heart all of your soul you see David served the Lord with all of his heart and all of his soul and that's why he's with the Lord. It wasn't because he didn't make mistakes. He did make mistakes. But he repented of those mistakes. And he served the Lord from that point on faithfully until it was time for him to leave this earth. You know, one of the greatest statements of faithfulness is found in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And, and you know, this is the charge for preachers. You know, um, notice it, Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy's having problems. Timothy's about to give up. And, 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 and Paul's trying to encourage him. You know, uh, I remember my sister sent me this thing one time, and, and it was a statement that said, you know, sometimes I feel that the whole world is against me. And then it said in a little thing underneath, but then I realized that there are several small countries in Europe that probably don't even know that I exist. You know, it is funny that sometimes in your life that you can feel that the whole world is against you when it's not. And so Paul writes to Timothy to encourage him because somehow Timothy has lost sight of these great principles and he's about to give up. And so this is what he says in verse chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and, and, and his kingdom. 
Preach the word. Be urgent in season, out of season. And then notice what he says. Here's all words that tell you what you do with the word of God. You convince, you rebuke, you exhort, you be unfailing in patience and in teaching. And then he says, for the time is coming when people will not endure false doctrine. But they will heap to themselves teachers after their own lust. I was talking with Mark Johnson, song leader at Dyersburg yesterday morning and he was reading this book The Muscle and Shovel. How many of you have read that book? Is that the name of it? Said several people have written it, have read it. This, this guy starts looking for the church. He's just been reading the Bible. So he and his family start visiting different churches everywhere. And they and they go to this one church on Sunday morning because they're visiting them. They visit all kinds of them. And, and they go into the Sunday school class. And in the Sunday school class, the discussion is that day, and this is probably some time ago, that w- what about what, what, what is women's role in the church? And all he did was turn to what Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy about women's place and work in the church. And in the Sunday school class, he didn't know anybody. He said, well, and, and Paul wrote to to Timothy and he read this and, uh, and, and when he got done reading it somebody behind him said well I don't believe that <laughs> and then somebody else said well maybe you need to be going to one of those conservative churches somewhere and after he didn't say another word during class and when class was over the teacher suggested that maybe he ought to go to another Sunday school class somewhere now what does that tell you all he did was read the word of God he wasn't trying to preach to anybody well that made him think what, what is it that we should believe? What is it that should we do? And this man began a search for the New Testament church. And uh, if you'd like to read this book, because it's a story of somebody's search to find the church out of all these hundreds and thousands and the experiences that he had, and he writes about that, which is an incredible thing. So Paul tells Timothy, what should you do, Timothy? Preach the word. And, 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 and when it's popular and when it's not, what are you supposed to preach? The Word of God, not the things of men. Do, do you believe in the foreknowledge of God? Do you, need, do you believe that God knew the, the future? Do you, do you believe that when God caused Paul to write this passage, that he would know that we would be here tonight in this place and what we would be doing? Do, do you believe that God knew all that when the book was written? If you do, then you understand the timeless nature of Scripture. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, if God were foolish, the foolishness of God is wiser than man. They're counterfactual hypothesis. He says if the, uh, the weakness of God is stronger than man. Everybody knows that there's no weakness in God and everybody knows there's no foolishness in God. But what does Paul say? If there was any foolishness in God, it would be wiser than any man who's ever lived. If there was any weakness in God, it would be stronger than any superman that you've ever encountered. But, but notice what he says in verse 6 here to Timothy. For Timothy, I'm already on the point of being sacrificed. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. You know, if I started naming the people that I have done their funerals in this congregation, I would start crying tonight. Because think of the 23 years that I've been here and the faithful servants of the Lord that we have laid to rest who have fought the good fight, finished the course, and kept the faith. And at the end of our lives... At the end of Timothy's life, that's going to be the thing that's going to be most important. Did you fight the good fight? 
Did you finish the course or did you quit somewhere in the middle? Did you keep the faith? And of course, I want to close with uh, certainly my favorite is Jesus' words in John chapter 14. Jesus was going to leave his disciples. He knew he was coming back. He knew he was going to the cross. But, but he, he, he needed to prepare them. He needed them to understand. And at that point, not many of them understood. After his resurrection, they all understood. And those who were so afraid and those who were so backward and timid and fearful and unbelieving all of a sudden became ready to give their lives for Jesus at, 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 at any moment. But this is what he told his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we did not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so you find some of those famous words of great servants of God that remind us that our job is the same. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, your job remains the same. To seek Him first, His kingdom and His righteousness. The charge of Paul to Timothy is a charge that Paul lived by all of his life, even though he was preparing to die, knew his time was short, he still lived with that charge. And so as I leave, I want to thank you. I want to thank leadership. I want to thank the elders that have worked with me. I mean, you can ask them. I'm not that easy to work with. You can ask Shirley, I'm not that easy to live with, okay? And uh, I appreciate that. Uh, only, um, and, and, I, and I appreciate the opportunities that I've had. I appreciate the opportunities I've, I've had to be with Steve and Greg in Nigeria and to do the mission work. I appreciate the, the interest that you've had in mission work. You know, we're supposed to take the gospel to the whole world. And not just in our local community, but we're supposed to take it everywhere. And it's our job, the church's job. You know, when I started years ago, when I came here, I came here after four of the worst years of my life. There have been a lot of things that have happened to me since that time. Nothing has happened to me, and I hope and expect nothing will ever happen to me that will be as bad as the last two years that I served in ministry before I came here. And I'm telling you, somebody says, have you had an experience in your life that you can mark it by? And, and you can say, hmm, this is pretty tough, but it wasn't anything like that. That's the way it was. I really have believed all my life that the Lord built the church, that the church is his, can be his missionary society. The church can be the school. The church can be an orphan's home. The church can provide everything that we need to do. We can do it right from here, and we have. We, where have we gone from Savannah, Tennessee? We have literally almost gone into the whole world from here. And, 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 and who was it that came up with these ideas? Well, it wasn't a great group of preachers that were so smart. It wasn't even a great group of elders that decided. How do we get involved in the Romanian ministry? Well, a couple of our ladies decided. You know, we need to do something to help those people. And we had leadership that was smart enough to say, you know, when the ladies are excited about doing something, we need to get right in there with them and do it. I mean, I remember when I came here, I'd been a youth minister. 
I remember trying to send ministers here over the few years before I came here. I had a couple of really good ones picked out. I said, all they need is positive preaching and a good youth program. And that's, somebody says, well, what was the secret to the growth of the church at Savannah? That was it. Positive preaching and work with the young people. And I still remember all of you when I came, surely not came here, we were an answer to your prayers because you wanted your young people to have a great youth group. And I suggest to you, God will answer those prayers. God will provide a way if you will do that. God's love, and that's what we're blessed with. God's love is like an ocean. In life's, like an island, in life's ocean, vast and wide. A peaceful, quiet shelter from the restless rising tide. God's love is like an anchor when the angry billows roll. A mooring in the storms of life. A stronghold for the soul. God's love is like a fortress. And we seek protection there when the waves of tribulation seem to drown us in despair. God's love is like a harbor where our souls can find sweet rest from the struggle and the tension of life's fast and futile quest. God's love is like a beacon burning bright with faith and prayer. And through the changing scenes of life, we will find a haven there. Psalmist said in Psalm 31, verse 19, Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart, all ye who hope in the Lord. Isn't it great to be a Christian? Isn't it great to know that it's not going to be long until the Lord willing, we will all be home together. I want the Lord to bless you in every way possible. In your family, in your health and prosperity, in the church, in unity and growth. I just hope that the Lord will bless you and keep you. That His countenance will rest upon you and that as Steve so often prays that you will have peace. The invitation to Jesus Christ is open. It's always open. And it's open tonight. If there's something in your life that you need to make right with the Lord, if there's something you need to make right with the church, or if you just need prayers and encouragement in a special way, whatever your need might be, if you need to come, won't you come while we stand and while we sing?
look upon your face, show your mercy and your grace, change my life, Holy Spirit, make me fresh and ever new. Sacrifice to you. Be seated, please. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. So good to me, he answers prayer, he answers prayers, he answers prayer, he's so good to. so good, God is so good, God is so good, He's so Megan comes forward tonight. She asked for our prayers. Uh, her son, her, her son uh, Ryder, his father, they're not together, but he does see his father on a regular basis, Matt, and he is going to, he's going to have to go back to service in Afghanistan, and she's, Megan's just having a hard time trying to get Matt, to, I mean, Ryder to understand this. It's kind of like everything in life there's no book that you've got and you don't have any you don't have any way to get ready and i'm glad she came so we can pray for her tonight but also because we have some ladies here that can be of help to her and encourage her and uh and maybe tell her some things that she can do that can help make it better uh, she's a good mother uh, she loves her son and uh, cares about him dearly let's go to our heavenly father in prayer on her behalf father we thank you for megan we thank you for her faithfulness to you. We thank you, Father, for her not giving up, for her being the kind of mother that she needs to be. We thank you for Ryder, Father. We're grateful for the environment that he's been able to, to grow up in and be here at church, be around his father and also his grandfather. And just now, Father, we ask you that you will be with Megan. We pray that you will give her wisdom and that you will give her peace and help Ryder, that he can make an adjustment to this. And we pray that you'll be with his father as he goes to Afghanistan as we pray for so many of our young people that are there from even our congregation, Father, that you will watch over him and keep him safe and bring him back so that he can be a father again. We just ask you to bless her, Father. You know how difficult it is for us as we walk through this life. And the longer we live, Father, the more we recognize that we need to trust you and to serve you and to never give up. And always, Father, as she has done tonight, to come and to ask your help and your guidance and then the strength and encouragement and prayers of our brothers.
brothers and sisters in Christ. We just ask you to bless um, Megan and Ryder and Matt and all of them and George in the name of Jesus. Amen. Six ninety three. We'll sing six ninety three and six ninety four and give you an opportunity if you haven't had a chance to take the Lord's Supper. I want to close with these songs because I feel like it's who Jim and Shirley are. And you got to see it. They've been a great team for a long time. I know Jim knows this, but she's definitely the best part of that team. Uh, he knows uh six ninety three and six ninety four. Anybody that knows Jim and Shirley knows this this is who they are. They're servants, and they will be wherever they're at, and we're grateful for you guys. We'll sing these songs here. Let's, um, let's stand as we sing these together. Give me the heart of a servant, tender and faithful and true. Fill me with love and use me, O Lord, so that the world can see you. Lord, make me a servant. Lord, make me like you. For you are a servant. Make me one too. Make me a servant. Do what you must do to make me a servant. Make me Hold on just a minute. Uh, this dismissal prayer, I assume, will also be to give thanks for the food at the fellowship. But I wanted to say just a little bit, and this microphone makes you want to say certain things. Um, Jim said he and Shirley were the answer to a prayer, lots of prayers. Uh, I can remember when we were interviewing for a preacher, and Jim interviewed, and we said, now we're looking for a man who's going to stay 20 years. Jim, where are you? We didn't mean that to be a limit. And you know how we are about finger food fellowships. We can always change the reason for this one. I mean, we can have another one next week if you want to, just for fun. But something else he said. He said, y'all were the answer to a prayer. It's good to know that when you are dedicated to serving God, you are the answer to prayers wherever you go. And Jim and Shirley have been the answer to many prayers. Hate to see you go again. Just hate it. But wish you well. And I know West Irisburg is going to be blessed. Let's say a prayer. Father in heaven, again we get to be with your people and honor you and get prepared for this coming week. We thank you that on this first day of the week we've been able to worship you and honor your son. We pray that as we meet people this coming week, we will be different enough that they will say, why are you like that? And we can tell them why. And we thank you for the opportunities in this place that extend, as Jim said, throughout the world. And that's in direct result of 
Jim and Shirley's dedication and lots of people's dedication over the years wanting to be Christians and spread the word here and around the world. We thank you so much for that. As we now honor them, we pray you will bless them in their work at West Dyersburg. We know that West Dyersburg is going to be blessed and that we are going to miss them. Thank you for the food and the time we will have together. And we pray we will take that as encouragement as we go in the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.